This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hello, everybody. Don LaGreca. Welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Lots to go over from last night's games, and there's a lot of Ranger fans that are really just upset about the performance of the team. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's just one game because in a 56-game schedule, every game is going to be so vitally important. And the reason I'm not going to take the route of, hey, it's just one game, because that game was eerily similar to the three we saw against Carolina in the hub. And even if you want to throw in the exhibition game they played before the three against Carolina over the summer, they lost that one, too, to the Islanders. So they've kind of been exposed here, especially against good structured defensive teams like Carolina and the Islanders. The Rangers... They were completely outplayed last night. Now, if you're a Ranger fan, and I know this is going to disgust you, you got to hope the Islanders are legit because if the Islanders are a Stanley Cup caliber team, which they might be, I guess you can kind of live with that. But if the Islanders end up being a team you're battling with for position that you think you're equal to, well, then I got news for you. You're not. Uh, That's just a better team. They're structured, and they certainly were at an advantage because of the fact with with the less training camp, EJ brought this up last week, or earlier in the week, that you know they're a team that's going to have an advantage. When the Rangers have brought in new players and younger players, they probably needed the extra camp, but they didn't have it. But it's just eerily similar to the games in the hub. And I could have taken David Quinn's press conference last night when he's talking about cheating the game and um, poke and hope plays offensively right out of the three losses to Carolina because it was the same thing. Now, Zabanajad was good last night. He had five shots on goal. I thought Heedle was good. But where was Panarin? Where was Kreider? Where was Howden? Uh, Lafreniere looked like he was a little over his skis in his first National Hockey League performance, and Keandre Miller certainly looked like he was a rookie playing in his National Hockey League debut. So you hope that it's going to get better. I understand that it's not about this year for the Rangers, that they feel that they're growing into something, and certainly with the top four teams in each division going to the playoffs, it may look like this will not be a playoff year, but you've got to see better play than you saw last night. And they're going to take on the same team in the same building coming up on Saturday, so it might not get any better. But Shesterkin, I thought, was left out to dry. Uh, he didn't play great, but I wouldn't say that it was his fault. But in the 12 games that he played last year in the regular season, only once did he allow more than three goals, and that was when he allowed five to the Devils on March 7th, the last game he played before the shutdown and then his first game that he plays after the shutdown he gives up four goals so I don't know if he's going to play at the clip that he did when he first made his debut I still think he's a great goaltender and is going to have a phenomenal career but is he ready right now to carry this team as they're trying to figure themselves out so Rangers a bit of a problem D'Angelo practicing with the taxi squad today I don't know exactly what to think about that Bedetto was acquired um, during the offseason, Hayek is somebody that was on the practice squad, so they do have bodies to replace him. I don't know if that's a discipline thing, because if you remember, D'Angelo took a penalty and then an unsportsmanlike conduct that created a 56-second five-on-three. Rangers killed it off, but Tony's a bit of a hothead, and he has had that issue before, and I would not be surprised if David Quinn makes an example of that behavior last night by having him be a healthy scratch in the game coming up tomorrow. So it's something to keep an eye on for sure because you just can't play that undisciplined. You just can't. And and put the politics and all that other stuff aside, just from a player's standpoint, you you can't play on the edge like that, taking unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, being undisciplined on a team that, quite frankly, can't afford to make mistakes. 
Now, how a big Ranger fan you are, you have to understand that this team has to play as close to mistake-free against good teams like the Islanders in order to win. And if you're going to commit eight penalties and you're going to take dumb penalties like that, then I would think David Quinn is going to maybe use it as an example. So he's practicing with a taxi squad, and maybe we'll see um, him be a healthy scratch coming up on Monday. It looks like on, on Saturday, Georgiev is going to uh, get the start. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Bruins win 3-2 over the Devils. This game was very interesting. This was actually my ice pick because I thought Boston would cover the goal and a half. They did not give the Devils credit. They were outshot 37-22 and outplayed in stretches in this game. Uh, but Mackenzie Blackwood, who's got a lot of eyes on him after the retirement of Corey Crawford, I thought played exceptional. Devils came back from one nothing down and 2-1 down. Ty Smith scores a goal in his National Hockey League debut. He made the team and he contributed a late goal that uh, forced overtime. <clears throat> and after what I thought was a very spirited three-on-three, once you get to the skills competition with this Devils team, they're not going to win most of the time, especially going up against a team like the Bruins. And the only goal scored belonged to Bergeron in Boston's half of the third round. And Boston gets the extra point. But I thought I thought a nice effort for for the Devils. And they'll play the same team uh, tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. Um, and something do you not see every day, but a breakaway from your own circles. That's what... Um, that's what Paul Mary had in overtime and just could not finish. I thought the Devils had some glorious opportunities in that overtime to to get the two points, but I thought that was a spirited effort and and Boston uh, still very very dangerous team even with Krug and Chara elsewhere. Uh, wild one in Buffalo where Washington wins six to four, six goals on twenty eight shots. See that's the stuff that uh, that Buffalo's gotta gotta be careful of. They're gonna be a better team. I got a lot of pushback from people because I had tweeted out about how difficult it's gonna be for the top six teams in the East, that two of those really good teams are going to be out. And a lot of Sabre fans are saying, well, why are you just discounting Buffalo? Well, one of the reasons I'm discounting Buffalo is because I, I think they're a better team than they were last year. And I think that they will be a difficult team to play uh, night in and night out. You just have to wonder, like in games last night, do you have the goaltending that is going to help you out? And, and listen, Hutton has had his moments in the National Hockey League, for sure. Uh, but he is still a goaltender that is not um, a, a star by any stretch of the imagination. And you're going to get nights like he did last night where he gives up six goals on 28 shots. Ovechkin was terrific in that game with a couple of assists. So the Sabres put up a four spot and still lose at home against Washington by the final score of 6-4. to four. Six different goal scores for the Buffalo Sabres last night. It is going to be a long year for the Detroit Red Wings. I, I, clearly, they're in rebuild, but you saw they were the worst team in the league last year. They're going to be the worst team in the league this year. Um, they were generous. They actually gave Detroit an extra shot on goal after the game. I watched the end of this just to see what Detroit could muster. This was a one nothing game for a while. Carolina ended up winning the game 3 nothing, but Peter Morazic pitches the shutout, making 14 saves. <laughs> that's uh, that's not exactly uh, very heavy uh, lifting 
uh, for the Hurricanes goaltender uh, when you consider you faced just 14 shots during the course of the game. But uh, just an incredible uh, performance by the Carolina Hurricanes. They put up 43 shots on goal. Detroit's got a bunch of young kids on this team, but they're just not they're not ready, I think, to dance with a Carolina team that's going to be going to the playoffs. Uh, Nashville, the 3-1 win over Columbus. Boone Jenner got Columbus going with uh, the goal to get it started, but three unanswered for Columbus, including a goal by Forsberg, which I think is going to be big for that team that broke the 1-1 tie, uh, and that came early in the third period. Uh, Soros, who's been an excellent backup his entire career, now getting an opportunity with Nashville. He goes out there and he makes 29 saves for the victory. Great game. i I'm, I got to tell you, as a hockey fan, it's going to be very difficult for me to not watch any matchup, really in the Canadian division. These games are all going to be wild. They're all going to be high scoring. Winnipeg, Calgary, tremendous game. Calgary had a 3-1 lead going into the second period, but the Winnipeg Jets chipped away, and then Line A gets two goals, including the game winner in overtime. Just a tremendous, tremendous game last night. A lot of fun. And then Edmonton bounces back after their 5-3 loss to Vancouver on Wednesday to win at home against the Canucks last night, uh, 5-2. Again, offense is going to be the theme. There was a collective 86 shots on goal in this game, 46 for Edmonton, and Connor McDavid is just an unbelievable, unbelievable player as he picks up the hat trick for the Edmonton Oilers. Keep an eye on the possibility, especially how wild that division is. Could we see Connor McDavid flirt with 50 and 50? That could be interesting. Going to be tough because of the condensed schedule, but with these te- same teams playing each other in a, a, a defense is a rumored division, is it possible that Connor McDavid could get 50-50? and 50? Sharks are going to be better than they were last year, and they get off to a good start with a 4-3 win over Arizona. This has been kind of the theme for Arizona, play good enough to lose, um, but they um, ended up getting a point in the shootout. Uh, so good on them, at least at home. But the story in this one to me was Tomas Hurdle, who um, – has was you know came out in the league like gangbusters about five six years ago has kind of settled down, but if he can kind of get himself going and he had his first two goals of the year last night, that could really be good for San Jose. Anaheim thought they had a shot uh, early on two two tie with Vegas uh, going into the third period, but it would be three unanswered for the Golden Knights in the third to win by the final score of five to two. Again, problems for the Ducks generating offense, just twenty two uh, shots on goal for them. Uh, a nice come-from-behind victory for the Wild. They're, they're one of those teams you're kind of on the fence about making the playoffs, uh, but they were down 3-1 to one going in uh, to the third period in a team that's kind of not known for offensive explosions, but 3-12 in. Rask gets a goal. Felino gets a goal to tie it midway through. Um, so good job out of them to get the victory in overtime, the Wild, 4-3. to three. And as you know, the Dallas-Florida game postponed because of, of COVID. That'll be made up a little bit later on in the year. Let's hear from you to kind of close out the week uh, as we recap the games, get you set up for the weekend. Um, it's going to be odd seeing these teams playing each other so often, but it's going to make for some great rivalries and some great conversation. Uh, don't want to get overly caught up in what's happening early in the season, but there are some things, and especially for the Rangers, some disturbing trends that – can be a bit of a problem, so I'm sure I'm going to hear from a lot of Ranger fans here 
on the podcast. Let's go to Courtney, old friend of the show. Hi, Don. With the Beast East Division, if the Rangers get off to a very slow start, is it really such a bad thing to miss the playoffs and have this season as a way to help the kids get acclimated in playing in the NHL? They aren't exactly ready to be in a win-now mode. All right, I understand your line of thinking. Although I don't think any organization wants to go three straight years missing the playoffs. Because let's face it, were they really in the playoffs last year when it's a qualifying round that was created by COVID and you didn't win a game? But to your theory, well, David Quinn bucks that because he, whenever he's asked about the kids, he talks about how the veterans have to play better. You know, I don't know how Howden benefits from a year out of the playoffs. I don't know how Kreider, Zabanajad, Panarin, uh, D'Angelo uh, are helped by missing the playoffs. I understand what you're saying about Lafreniere and DiCacco to a certain extent, maybe Heedle. But there are veterans on this team. There are players that are ready to take that next step. And as much as I think some of the younger players, maybe Igor Shostorkin another year to kind of take a look in what is kind of a very truncated, very odd season, uh, there are expectations to start taking a next step. And you saw signs last year where it looked like this team was ready to dance with the big boys. And if you end up having the failure at the end of the season last year, a failure this year, then you have to kind of recalibrate exactly you know where we stand here. You want to see steps forward. And if you miss the playoffs because of just, hey, the format, you were good, but you finished in fifth place, um, and you didn't make it, and you just try to say, hey, at least under normal circumstances, we probably would have made it. I guess you can live with it, but it ends up being, you know, finishing, you know, second to last or in last place and just not really having a great season. I don't think that benefits anybody. So we'll have to wait and see there. Michael says, hi, Don. You mentioned Penguins goaltending, but Jari was an all star last year. Any further reason for doubting the Penguins overall age? Thanks, Don. Well, I just think that when you have a, a guy like Murray who won a couple of cups leave, you know, Jari was an all star last year. But I don't know how great a goaltender he is. DeSmith is a nice goaltender. But I don't know if it's special. And let's take a look at what happened the last couple of years to the Penguins. The last full season that we had, they were bounced in the first round by the Islanders getting swept. Last year in the qualifying round, they lost in four to Montreal. I mean, I think the writing's on the wall that's still a good, talented team. I think their better days are behind them. The way Dave Maloney described it last night when I was talking to him on the air, that they may have turned the corner where now they are heading towards where they're going to have to eventually consider a rebuild. And with, with a Chris Letang, who might get traded, when they get to the deadline, that might be what happens because I don't know if they're going to be in the top four teams in this division. So, hey, you got Crosby, who's special. You got Malkin, who's special. There's a lot of good players on that team. But collectively... I think their days of winning a championship are over. You're starting to see that, and I think I, I think they'll be on the outside looking in this year, and I think they're going to start gravitating towards being a non-playoff team. And if you say, well, wait a minute, they got two of the best players in the league. Yeah, Edmonton's a borderline playoff team, and they've got two young players that are best in the league. But it takes more than just having a couple of great players. I mean, look at Chicago. I mean, Chicago is pretty much a team that over the last couple of years has been a non-playoff team, despite the fact that they've had very talented players in Kane, Taves, and um you know they they've had Duncan Keith for a long time, and yet still, you know, from a depth standpoint, incorporating young players, there's some growing pains. And I think Pittsburgh is kind of in that same Chicago realm where they have talent, but I think their days of competing for a championship uh, are going to be, uh, unfortunately, for Penguins fans, deep into the future. 
Eli says, what do you think it means that Tony D'Angelo isn't practicing with the starters today? As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, with um, excess defensemen that they have. Remember, Smith was a healthy scratch last night. Um, Bedetto and uh, Hayek are on the practice squad. They have depth at the blue line. So if you're going to commit the penalty that he committed last night and you've got the kind of short turnaround where you're playing again tomorrow, there's a very good possibility I would expect him to be a healthy scratch. Jonathan says, hey, Don, I want to get into hockey. What is a cool team to cheer for? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Well, since you don't have a team and you want to, like, root for a winner um, and you're local, I don't know where you are. I'm going to hit your profile here see if it tells me where you're from. It does not. So if you've basically got the, the, the 31 teams to choose from, I mean, if you're local, I mean, the Islanders look like they're definitely going to be a playoff team. If you're looking for just the sheer energy and scoring ability, you can look at teams like Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. You can look at Toronto with McDavid and, and Nylander and uh, just how good the uh, that team is offensively so I would take a look at Toronto if you just want the pure entertainment of it if you want the original six tradition feel Boston's always a good team they're always good and have a lot of firepower too so there's quite a few teams that I think um, if you want to go a little deeper into looking for a team that maybe is on the come that you could say that you kind of jumped down the bandwagon uh, a little early um that could be a direction that you can go into. I'm trying to think of off the top of my head a team that is on the come that you're probably not thinking about because Buffalo, I'm not sure, is there yet. I mean, Colorado is a team that I think is already good that's going to be competing for a Stanley Cup. I think that would be a fun team uh, to root for. Um, I think the Rangers are a team that I think can be good in in, in the future. Uh, that's that that could be a fun team, and if you just want the just I want a team that's going to compete for a Stanley Cup every year, then Tampa <laughs> would be a team. So I hope I gave you a nice enough menu of teams that maybe you can get into. Sam Diaz, good to talk to him again. Hi Don, so happy game is conduct is back. Understanding that it's just one game and a voice of the New York Rangers, you have to refrain from being overly critical. But was it evident to you as it? was to the Ranger fans that Johnson is more of a liability than Stoll. Uh, clap twice if you agree. And, ah, listen, I, I don't think I'm put in any kind of position by Rangers management to be anything but fair. Uh, Johnson committed a penalty early in the game. It cost them because the Islanders scored on the power play, and the Rangers never really recovered from that. I mean, he's a guy that's played nearly a 1,000 games in the NHL, so he's definitely towards the end of his career. I think he was in brought, brought in here as a bit of an insurance because of the young defenseman. But, hey, well, like I mentioned, they've got guys that are not playing. Johnson will play himself off of the ice if this continues. I think um, D'Angelo is more of a disciplinary thing because there's a long-term future with D'Angelo. There's no long-term future with Johnson. Um, but con- continued play like that, and I don't think it's really that much of a stretch to say that he's probably going to be uh, a healthy scratch in the future because that was not great. But he's among a myriad of guys last night that did not play well. Will says, do you think Tor- uh, Trotz's system of defense is – Solid enough for the Islanders to continue to perform without uh, Taves and Boychuk. Uh, unit looked really stout last night, especially uh, the top pairing. They'll be fine. Uh, they, they just know how to play. There's a structure there that, yeah, it's, it's reliant on the play, 
of the blue line that the players individually, but they've got they've got plenty of guys there. You know, Pulak and Pelic, and there's a lot of depth there that makes you feel good. Letty's contributed again last night. They played a lot of games, a lot of games, uh, especially last year without Boychuk. Uh, you know, Taves is somebody that's obviously going to be missed, but I, I think you saw last night. I mean, that, that's a Ranger team that did not get shut out last year and was shut out last night. So I'm not going to I'm not going to confuse the Rangers with the Leafs or the Oilers offensively, but they held the Rangers to 27 shots on goal. The Rangers were down four nothing going into the third period, mustered just three shots on goal. The Islanders are going to be fine. Uh, Chris asks, Hi, Don. Normally, you do a top five on Friday. Uh, Here's my top five of the retro third jerseys. Okay. Usually, I do the top five of the week. We've only played a couple of games, so I'm not going to do my top five today, but I'll let Chris do it. Uh, So his retro jerseys, he's got number five, the Devils. Always liked their green. I did, too. They're traditionally, uh, they're uh, commonly referred to as the Christmas tree jerseys. Uh, number four, he likes the wild, like the stars, old colors, absolutely. Three, the Kings, 80 colors, meet 90 logo, yes. Uh, two, the Flyers, my team, okay, he's a little biased there. And I think everybody can agree with Chris's number one, the Avalanche, the Nordique era, it's my favorite as well. Uh, I got no problem with your list outside of the Flyers, which I, I, I like their team, but I'm not in love with their uniforms. Um, but I can understand you having them at number two because that's your team. David says, so Don, during Game Misconduct's hiatus, did you ever get around to watching the Mighty Duck movies like you were considering? I know you expressed no interest, but upon re-watching all three, I think the first one is the one that you have to at least watch. All right. No excuses. We're living in a pandemic world, but I also have three-year-old twins. I also have a four-hour show that I continue to do every day. There has not been a lot of time to carve out a lot of movie watching unless it is uh, Beauty and the Beast, unless it's Frozen, unless it's Frozen 2, unless it's um, uh, Secret Life of Pets. That's been in heavy rotation, so I haven't had a chance, but I will try to get to it. Patrick says, do you think the Rangers are going to begin to become relentless with the play of Jack Johnson? Yes, I do think they will. Uh, Shining Wizards Kevin says, do you think casual fans will get alienated with the repetitive number of games against the same team by the end of the season, or do you think this will only intensify interest in the rivalries? It's a great question, because, and it's an age-old question as well, because there were times where you didn't always go to every arena. You played every team in the NHL, but let's say there might be years that the Rangers didn't go to Vancouver for one year or a couple of years, and people flipped out. It's like, wait a minute, those, those every, every everybody should play in every arena because you want to see the Connor McDavid's of the world, and 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 you don't want to have the, play the same teams all the time. And then they changed the schedule to where you only played within your division four times, and it's oh my god, I can't believe Rangers and Islanders, I can't believe Bruins and Canadians, I can't believe Oilers and Flames are only playing four times. I mean, you can't have it both ways. I think with with the fifty six game schedule. And with every game being so vitally important, it is going to be intense, and the, and the fans and the casual fans will fall in love with it because there'll be storylines, there'll be carryover. You know, under normal circumstances, you know, the Islanders and Rangers would have played last night and they'd play again in two weeks, but there's going to be an urgency because of what happened to the Rangers last night, and they don't want to get embarrassed again in their own building by the exact same team in a 48-hour span. So there'll be a different level to that game that you'd normally see in Game 2 of any season. And you will see carryover, and you will see more fights, and you will see more chippiness, and I think that's always good to sell the sport on because that's always an aspect of what makes hockey so much fun. 
Uh, Troy says, it's no secret Vegas has cap issues, but do you think that they could pull off trading Martinez to get cap space? What team would be interested in adding him? I think that a lot of teams would love to add him. It's got to be the right move, but I think there's a lot of teams that would like to be able to get him. I don't think they would have any trouble moving him whatsoever. Um, obviously, they've got cap issues, but still an outstanding team. Uh, AJ says, hey, Don, it's time for Mackenzie Blackwood to get some more recognition. Kid can be a stud for a long time and is never mentioned among the great young goaltenders coming up, Hart, Igor, etc. Well, the fact is is that, you know, the Rangers, the, the devil's still out and signed Corey Crawford, so sometimes you got to get belief from your own organization before everybody else in the world can start to believe in him. He continues to play like he did last night. I don't think there's any question that this kid is going to get the recognition that he deserves. He was one of the major reasons why they even got a point last night. You get outshot 37 uh, to 22, and there were some there were some moments where they're getting outshot like like 26 to to, to 12. It was it was really really one side of the ice was tilted and he gave them a chance to earn a point so if he keeps playing like that believe me he'll get plenty plenty of recognition all right this was a lot of fun good to get back into the fold good first week of game misconduct so we're gonna be back on monday ej is usually our weekly guest on monday so we'll connect with him recap the weekend and hey we'll already have two three games under our belt and really be able to get uh a sense of where everybody's at and how important these games are going to end up being. So it was great to be with you again. Thanks to Anthony Pusick for running the ship for us. We'll be back here again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.